Hello and welcome to a new episode of Hot Singles, the only good music podcast on the fucking internet. Um, Facts. You heard it it here first. Um, I am Rikes, and I'm joined as ever by Buchanan. Hello, everybody. And by special guest, Belle Stardust. Hey, what is up, everybody? Woo! Absolutely delighted to have Belle along. Um, We gotta say up front, uh, fantastically we managed to record this once and then lose the audio which was <laughs> magnificent work by all of us but that only means that we have snappy one-liners prepped and ready to go that will only get like even snappier and tighter having uh, as we have weeks. to react to them a second time <laughs> yeah exactly having had I, two I, weeks to refine the punchlines. You I, know? I was going to say in fairness it's uh we we did take a little bit of a break after like looking at it, looking after looking at our lack of audio files and going, okay, it's uh, let's uh, let's take a breather. Uh, so it's uh, we can if uh, if if anybody did not come in with like notes or something, then they can just like prattle on some 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 stuff, and then we all go, wow, holy crap, holy crap, that's that, so that, deep. That, that seems Eat, so spontaneous and despite original. despite only having heard it two and a half weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, we have three albums to discuss, and those albums are Astromantic by Mflow, Ooh, Odd by Shiny, Ooh, and Memoryland by CFCF. Ooh, one of the best. Ooh. Um, we're all making the noises. Um, <laughs> is it time to jump in? DJ, play that funky music. Yeah. So let's, let's get to go. it. On it, guy. Boom, clap. Boom, 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 clap. Boom, boom, Love, I got a lot of it. My dynamite, the Baku has love. Kimi wa hot, hot. 
どうしたらいいでしょうかカフェモカハッハッ誰もが振り向いてジャラシーとケチ混ぜアツアツシケレビラララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララララはい。
And um, what they're kind of responsible for is like leading the charge for a lot of the more organic sounding hip hop music and the more kind of naturally flowing hip hop music in Japan, I think. Um, They definitely had a lot of strong impressions made with listeners through pop crossover and really made their claim to fame by having like a lot of successful crossover tracks or things that maybe got on tv or featured prominent artists at the time and kind of the way that they got their foot in the door was working uh through remixes working through features writing for other people and eventually this would lead into a very fruitful career that was defined mostly by collaborations. And um, Astromantic is the first album in what is referred to as the Mflow Love series. And basically what happened there is uh, they parted ways with Lisa as far as uh, her group role officially went at the time after their second album. And... From there, instead of having a static lineup, they decided they wanted to feature artists from all across the spectrum, different countries, uh, different genres, sometimes even different labels, but usually not different labels, let's be honest. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, they would essentially just try to bring as much under one umbrella, but make it as cohesive as possible. And that birthed the Mflow Love series, which is defined by the Astromantic album. So yeah, the rundown. Hell yeah. This album is big. It's like enormous, in fact. It's an hour and 10 minutes long. It's 17 tracks long. And it's just like completely full to the brim with stuff. It's perfect. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's bag of tricks is constantly, constantly spilling over. Um, it's the, the, the amount of genres this thing touches, uh, and executes is, um, bonkers to put it scientifically. Yeah, I, I was just, like, absolutely stunned, like, putting this on for the first time and slamming into drum and bass. That was not a thing I expected yeah. whatsoever, and it's just an absolute <laughs> joy. Um, and, yeah, the, the progression, as you said, because it starts off in a bunch of, like, like liquid drum and bass, like, really, like, jazz-inflected, but, like, pop and dance music stuff, and then slowly through the course of the album gets more and more, like band played it gets more and more like i don't want to say acoustic in effect but more like um yeah more and more like actual traditional forms and not like pop or dance form interpretations of them like there's actual like old style trad r&b tracks here there are big band tracks there are uh a fucking ska track at the end like yeah a big brass band ska track like Got, uh, the fact that this album uh, it, it still stuns me got convinced me that it was appropriate in my life to listen to a seven minute scar track yeah it's just like indescribable i don't know how it pulled that trick on me yeah i think that's one of the you know special uh mflows tricks kind of like the joker's trick if you will um <laughs> they they have a way of like getting people to become more suggestible with genres or featurings and i think this was really the start of that for them because they figured like they have the strong basis in r&b and you know very urban music already about like why not take that in a much further i don't want to say back but i guess like historically you know time-wise sure certainly back direction um so yeah it it worked out really interestingly because like you have 
tracks that have like the Cornelius production style or the Fantastic Plastic Machine production style, you know, all these people with these crazy mm-hmm. modern chops going on. And then right next to them, you have a song like Vanessa, which is just like straight up acid jazz for all four minutes of it. And it, it doesn't feel out of place at any point, you know, they really bridge the gap between what they wanted to portray and what maybe people already knew them for, I think. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, it's, I, I think to, 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 but to talk about, um, you know, like bridging those genres together. Um, I think what really, what really sets Astromantic apart from like, um, Jack of all trades artists or like our artists that function as like genre bridging points is that like, they, 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 they're just so sincere about it. Like it's, it's not, um, they, they don't want to do like, Oh, here's Astro man. Here's the, here's the M flow style of, um, uh, like jazz or something. It's just like, let's just make like a really cool ass jazz song. Like it's, they, 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 the, their sensibility is their enthusiasm for the work. Um, it's, I guess you, you take a look at something like, um, how Tom York got like super addicted to like really like like electronic stuff and then brought it to combine rock music and it's you know that's that it's it sort of condenses into like this this middle point like this middle of the road which is still good but it's you know and not not you know uh exuberant or you know like really really exploding with a you know shiny optimism or anything and i think that's what mflow really really achieves uh when they when they when they like swing for the fences on like all right we're just gonna make like a like a seven minute like ska song (laughs) yeah i think they they represented like the the most optimistic point and i would say like arguably one of the most like kind of carefree and fun points of what was happening with the urban music scene there at the time and kind of the pop Mm -hmm. music scene and the coalescence of both into one recognizable form of like there there was a moment there where j-pop was actually pretty damn palpable overseas like not anything like k-pop years later in terms of numbers but you know people knew who lee dyson was and like that's saying something people knew who kodakumi was she was in final fantasy like the the stuff uh, was notable. It, yeah, it's the like the 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 bridging like Kanye and the Teriyaki Boys, Neptunes, um, and uh, like all of those guys all hanging out. Sort of like it's as uh, as artists would come from overseas, rocking Bape and stuff. It, it slowly became more and more acceptable, uh, and M Flow was right there at the at the forefront of that as well. And. You know, one of the most interesting examples of this um, that I think we can turn to where is you have this idea of a Shadow of the Hedgehog commercial that features yes! M-Flow oh. in it. And that was just such a clash of worlds, but it was like, it ended up being kind of right in the end. You know, you have something like funky, something a little bit dark, a little bit cool, and a little bit silly because it's ultimately associated with Sonic. And M-Flow was all of that as well. You know, it's it's so cool that Sonic is cool. Like it's I I just think about like like Mario's not cool. No. Mario Mario's Mario's like a sincere cool little guy. It's it, it's Mario's cool because he's he's a he's a little sincere guy running around doing big jumps and like uh like the song that is playing is like a banjo song. Uh, like Sonic is just cool as fuck, even though like he's not doing anything super different. Mario 
Yeah. It's, like, he's, like he's, a, he's a hedgehog with spiky hair. Like, what more <laughs> do you fucking want? He, it's, and like, I love that Shadow is just like that pushed so far. And the, I'm just looking at this commercial and laughing so bad. Shadow's hitting, Shadow's hitting a choreographic dance. Yeah. Oh my God. What Shadow, Shadow is like Sonic. A hedgehog with spiky hair, but who's also edgelord and gay. Like, what more do you want? Like, <laughs> right. come on. Right, and if you were um, if you were not quite <laughs> up on the gay part at the time, you would have been able to read between the lines and be like, oh, well, he's dancing to some house music, so I I think I might get it now. You know? little, 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 <laughs> little north of normal there, Shadow, I must say. Shadow the Hedgehog. Shadow the Hedgehog. on sale. Oh my god, yeah. Oh. The, just the idea that the, this album's just like. It, it, the, the sense, like, we've mentioned it a couple times, like, sincerity is this, like, weird thing that, that goes between, like, like, heart on sleeve really meaning like emotionally bare stuff and this is not what this is right. but it's more like a very no. sincere commitment to craft like yes there, there is a an intense knowledge that they are doing something that pretty much no one else can do because no one else has the chops or the respect or the like key into all of these people to get like I, the other combination that i find just hilarious is like getting boa and um ryuchi sakamoto on the same record it's just like yes slightly wild yeah my boy ryuchi is on this it's so sick and doing ryuchi things like doing fucking or ass chops for the first half right And I think, you know, you have a track like Love Bug, it's like this all-timer, it's like straight-up pop music, you got the back and forth, the hip-hop, hippie-hop, you know, thing that you would never expect Boa to do at the time, so it kind of like broke her into urban ground for the first time, really. Um, and it, it's like a period piece, but not in a way where like you might hear like a Kodakumi song with like the kind of Arabic influence and think like, oh, this is really dated. Like it's a period piece in the way that you can look back fondly and be like, okay, yeah, I remember like four by three TVs and, you know, glossy everything and, you know, the little printout stickers for your phone. And like, that's what it conjures, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, pastel eyeshadows yeah yeah it's like boa at peak boa powers kind of and i think that's a special thing to have on the same album as a seven minute house number that just goes into absolute crazy acidic territory towards the end with uh way you move you know it's yeah. it's housed under the same unit and they make it part of the same universe and i think like Without getting too far into their later albums, I think that's something that they managed to succeed at very well because it, you know, even if the songs will come together maybe from three or four singles beforehand, I have a feeling that they're always thinking of like, how are these all going to sound next to each other in a package of like 15, you know? Yeah, totally makes sense. I, d I did want to mention just like, because if there's anyone of the, the list that people probably wouldn't know, it's probably Boa. Because I think Kodakumi's probably got a bigger profile 
Among the Weebs. Yeah. And if people are listening to a music podcast, they probably know, have an idea who Ryuichi Sakamoto is. Boa being Korean pop star who carved out a huge career in Japan. Um, uh, just like the, the most like, how would you describe what those concepts of like early 2000s R&B were like? Like what are the, what are the analogs? Cause it's not quite the like, is it, is Britney Spears the like right point of comparison? Cause it's more trad uh, R&B than that. It's yeah. More like, I would almost, I would say like you have like a bit of the cleanliness of image of Britney Spears and definitely the leaning towards like choreography or like pop movement, you know, something that's kind of like explosive. But um, where they drew the line in terms of especially K-pop music at the time was having a much more urban influence that I would say harkens to perhaps Brandy, yeah. Um, mm. Aaliyah certainly at yeah. the time. Yeah, and TLC that's majorly the... because they were so massive in Japan that they ended up having like mm-hmm. that entire um, one concert with Yutada Hikaru of all people. So really, there's a lot of lineage there and like reason where you could say like, you know, don't move so fast on the hey, why is Japan moving into R and B conclusion? Like there was actually a lot of like genuine exchange going on mm-hmm. there it was just like su- such a rapid moving period at the end of the 90s that all this stuff kind of like led yeah. into this album a few years but down th- the road this is the thing this is what this album's so cool about because this is a 2004 record so like three years later people are starting to like ditch the old r&b forms and pick up like electro house or stuff like that like where you move is for me one of my favorite tracks in the record and this just like screams that sh- i keep referencing shinichi osawa who's just like one of my favorite like electro producers of this well electro house producers of this like little moment um and has this like super propulsive super like shiny chunky dance music sound that like fits the progression that they're trying to make out of trad r&b so so well but obviously like this record is far more than just like one choice of direction it just clearly like takes that r&b court in very interesting musical directions yeah Definitely, and I, th- I think um, it, it's kind of like music that's more fit for houses than clubs a lot of the time, if I think about it. Like, you can have, you know, a record like Way You Move, obviously, will be, like, perfect for the club, because it's got, like, that propulsion. But the beginning of it is very much like a, you know, back-at-the-pad thinking about the night before type of music. So I think where they succeed is very often turning expectations on their heads, and they have the song that starts with these very, you know, um, the the flange-heavy guitar lines in it, and you think it's going to go in one direction, you think it's going to zig, and then it zags, and it turns into a seven-minute house jam. So, yeah, I, I think that's so special. Hell yeah. Uh... Um, one more thing I do want to draw attention to on this album... Uh, Crystal K really is like shining like a diamond here and it almost feels like at one point she could have been like that next member of the group yep. with how much she contributed. You know, like she just sounds so right on Rewind and when you think about it, there's like two or three songs that kind of have like that that skeleton as the basis for their song. And they're all a little bit different to the point where you're not going to ever, like, delete them uniquely from your playlist or something, you know? It's like they're all kind of their own category, you know? 
Um, so I, re I really like that about her, and I like how Crystal K kind of wove herself into the fabric of M-Flow over the course of the love series and became, like, this common anchor where, like, all these other people were going through a million different styles of R&B, and then you have this woman who can come out and, like, she can do pop, she can do the grinding beat, or she can turn it entirely around and do a song like she did on this album where it's, you know, basically, like, your dance hall thing going on so yeah definitely mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i i think get on and rewind both very good tracks and crystal k a very notable contributor here for sure nice <sighs> yeah this uh, album's just super fucking fun it's so it's like if, if you guys it's uh to, to our hot singles listeners i know it's like we we talk about we use a lot of words like electronics stretched out to flang, um, and it's like the personness of the self and the thingness of the form. Hey, listen to the, listen to this album. Just fucking dance. Hit 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 this and forget about her. Like literally, yeah. um, <laughs> it's like an hour journey through like the club at night. It's like a story, pretty much. Like it's not strictly narrative, but it's kind of narrative. You know. Yep. It's uh, it's it, it, it's it, it skits. It's like Japanese like R&B and hip hop groups love skits. It's they it's it's they 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 one hundred percent inherited this from when like hip hop stuff would come around overseas. Mm. Uh, it's I remember in, in particular, what was it? It was the the Art of War, which was like a James Lavelle, Major Lazer, uh, Uncle, uh, DJ Shadow. <laughs> Uh, cut chemist. Oh my god! Like it's uh, all uh, like that 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 Japanese turntablism, like uh, like American turntablism crossover, uh, where all of the skits are just like text to speech excerpts from the Art of War. Wow, that sounds um, that sounds exactly like something that would come out at that time period, though. Like especially with absolutely. those people, uh, because you have like. That was when I think the the nerd influences were starting to spill out a little bit more yep, publicly yep, and a little bit more consistently. Yep. And Diplo being at the forefront of that is an ironic consideration because he also has a bit of a history with M-Flow by, I believe, being one of the few remixers for the Astromantic era that didn't quite, like... There's other remixes besides what's on that Charm School album, which I do believe we have... We've mentioned kind of like in the the universe of M-Flow how funny the idea of a charm school for being astromantic is. Yeah. Like, of course Diplo uh, would be involved in that. <laughs> can I, can I uh, take this time to transition into the cover watch? Oh, absolutely. Uh, just as we bring up astromantic charm school. Uh, so uh, the astromantic cover, it's just clones. This is just this is just Star Trek and the Neptunes present clones um, to to really hammer home the that point of like the the cross pollination between uh, continents that that Mflow really made their own because they were so infectious about it. It's them uh, in a galaxy facing the camera. Astromantic is printed on the uh, the the sleeve. It's perfect. Like it's there's no. It's there's it, even for like 2004, um, you know, like J-pop R&B stuff, which, um, you know, doesn't lend super well to Western aesthetics. 
um, as, as some other stuff could like this, this it's uh, to me, it, it speaks of like a very obvious send up. Like they're talking about like the future and like traveling into space and stuff, music to listen to um, while you're traveling. Um, and it's uh, component wise, it's very cheesy, but it's very sweet. Um, and I, I think that's what makes them flow and flow. Um, for Astromantic Charm School, uh, they they made this uh, this very cute little uh, uh, like high school like insignia patch that also sort of looks like a space flight thing. Um, and you know all the all the skits on Astromantic Charm School are just lessons and stuff. It's uh, it's got a much more unified aesthetic front uh, for the remix record, which I think is funny because it's uh, it's even more disparate voices. Uh, across that record, like, you know, it's, you get like, um, like the ugly duckling remix is like, they, they just throw down a break on it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and like the, the, um, like it's the, the, the M floating tank mix of way you move, um, legit, like no drums to it. It's just, it's literally a floating tank mix. That might be like one of my new favorite, so like remix suffixes. Um, ever it's I'm, I'm only going to make floating tank mixes from now on <laughs> yeah I gotta go for the floating tank aesthetic and then you know what else yes. was really interesting with the remix album uh, one of the earliest appearances on a major label release for Space Cowboy who went on to have a very prolific mid to late 2000s and then just completely fell off the face of the earth after Gaga got too famous really interesting trajectory oh, yeah I don't know. Huh. I don't know what happened there, but like he he was just like all over the fame, and then like never showed up after that album, as far as I know. He, like he's capacity. probably still cashing checks. Uh, he's probably still cashing those Christmas tree checks. Right. To be honest. Yeah. Every year you get a little bit of that, and I'm sure like anytime. I'm I'm not sure which ones are exactly him, but I bet Love Game was probably him, or like anybody who had their money on, like Poker Face, or was in the oh, room yeah. for Poker Face. Absolutely, probably it's a ton of money. <laughs> You wake up and you get, uh, like, you wake up and you just have, like, grocery money for that day. Yeah. Like, great. <laughs> yeah, guess I'll uh, go get this uh, Whole Foods over here in my <laughs> humble abode. For sure. Oh, man. Hell yeah. That's astromantic. Yeah. Uh, this shit kicks ass. It's, like, like I said, if, if, uh, if you listen to hot, if you come to Hot Singles to, like, uh, like, check out, like, post-electronic records, uh, forget that shit. Listen to this. This shit rocks. You should just be listening to this instead all the time. And truly, just like be a guy who wears the glasses that the uh, that the Mflow guys are wearing. Yes. Yep. Like, yep. That's that's, that's you all. just need that in your life. <coughs> and especially if you have like a nice car ride to go on, like it's perfect for that because it's the kind of record that has like a beginning, middle, and end. You know, so you can definitely just yes. hook that in and get your hour, 10 minutes and just be like, okay, yes, I got the full astromantic experience. Hell yeah. Sweet. Woo, time to head on then.
없었을 때 그렇게 어둠이 돼 모든 게 없었을 때 I brought this week is Odd by Shiny. So, who are Shiny? Shiny are a previously five, now four member uh, boy group um, under SM Entertainment, the at least historically biggest behemoth of the K pop industry. I obviously wanted to bring a K pop record on while I had um, Bell's expertise to draw from. Um, this is this is basically just like a ghost stand ontology episode. Oh, 100%. Like this, uh, Absolutely. This is this this is this is the place that it fills. Uh, I'd like to uh, position a sidebar. You guys could totally do a stand ontology episode about Britney Spears. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I was I was just thinking about that Yo. and like that's you know it's it, the the Britney podcast space is a little is already kind of filled. Like that <laughs> that position's been kind of filled for for a little bit now. But um you know, it's it. it I, I think you guys could really, uh, really offer some real, uh, real insight into that. Sorry, yeah, just just per, to, I, to, to keep the sidebar going. Like the, one of the things that was so important about making a, a podcast about K-pop was de-exceptionalizing K-pop. Like there is a sheen of yeah. Orientalism that like covers all coverage of it. That like aren't the working mm-hmm. conditions uniquely horrific? Aren't the train? Isn't the training system uniquely exploitative or uniquely like cashing in on the dreams of fourteen and fifteen year olds, uh, and so on and so on? And like you suddenly look at like Hollywood or indeed the American music like system, and industry, and just know that they're doing very similar things, but just in slightly less systematic and therefore worse ways. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so shiny. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> On that note. So Shiny, it was interesting. So the, when we talked about this album originally, it was like I needed to sell to Boo that there was something more than just pleasant R&B happening here. 
And the, yes. the tactic I went for was there is a level of like um, craft and competence and expression in performance going on here that is like elevated above most pop artists. Like that was the yes. tactic that I used. Yes. Um, and while, while that was going on, it's a... Uh, uh, for for a little more context, it's uh, this album is really good, but I did kind of bounce off it. I mm. think it it, it didn't. Uh, it's I I I think it's uh, you know like however however like many billions of people bought this record can't be wrong. Um, <laughs> so it's I I I think it's just uh, like it's uh, it's it just didn't scratch my brain in the right in in the right ways. It's yeah. obviously I it's. It, like even this seems like mean to say. It's like like where you just go like I see the artistry, I understand it. I, th but, um, I think you're allowed to not like every record I shuffle. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. Fine. It's I just but but it, that's my job to like stuff. No, no, no. But, no. Um, very much isn't. Your job is to make interesting conversation, and this is like a, a good starting point. So oh, the thing is, we, we better we better we better reconsider this deal. Then. Oh no, oh, no. no. Um. So what what I wanted to say was um. After I listened to Odd, I listened to Odd with uh, with with zero expectations or knowledge of who Shiny was. Which mm -hmm. um, so it's I, I I looked these guys up. It's I decided to do um uh, I decided to I decided to run a little arithmetic, um and it, like these guys are it's it, it became very clear to me that um uh, like just based off like looking at their records and stuff and and their highlights, these guys are like the or new K-pop, like yes. these these guys are these guys are the progenitors for so many traditions uh, and like so much reverence and like ceremony that that K-pop holds both in Korea and here overseas. Uh, period. Like yeah, um, just to like flesh that out a little bit, just in terms of like the formal stuff, the concept of the dance practice video originates with a thing that they filmed in one of the studio buildings in SM. Um, it's horrible. It's two forty p. It's got horrendous moire effects because Temin, one of the so members, oh, yeah, he is wearing a stripy t shirt, <laughs> and that stripy t shirt is now absolutely famous. Um, but like that, like set off a wave that just like built a whole new aspect into the form of like how K-pop is consumed. They're what? also like the, that the, like the group that brought um, K-pop out of its like uh, strict adherence to aggro dark edgelords, uh, late 2000s stuff and brought in like brighter R&B stuff, but, but specifically dance pop as like a wave. Um, it's from I, which I, like the entire next decade sort of flowed. Yeah, I I I it's I want to like corroborate that and like come in and these guys brought skinny jeans to K-pop. <laughs> it was that it's, like that's that that's like for like that's that's the entire that's what the entire industry is in my head and those guys did it. Yeah. Those are the guys that did that 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 cooked my damn noodle the first time I heard it. I was like, holy shit. These guys are legend status. <laughs> yeah, they definitely they did something special with that, and I think like their their legacy can oftentimes be like being the first group that got weird with something that ended up becoming normal. You know what I mean? They took something into and a new they direction. They did that like and... several times. Like... Yeah. Um. That like I think that the first so so like their their. Early content is like 
well, we'll talk about this when we talk about the record in more detail, but, like, their debut is, like, very trad, old-school R&B in a very, very, like, pleasant, like, friendly, approachable way. And then the thing that starts blowing up for them is, like, slightly weird, abrasive, um, like, dance pop that isn't out of step with the other stuff going on in K-pop, but is, like, obnoxious and strange and, like, angular in ways that just, like, go slightly further than I think a lot of the, the contemporary stuff was. And then they pivot to, like, being one of the first groups to, like, start taking, like, I mean, it's not at that point EDM, but, like, start bringing dubstep sounds, start bringing electro house sounds in, and, like, I think Sherlock is, like, one of the first, like, hinge moments where, like, they're just doing something completely different and setting the tone that the entire industry will follow for the years to come. They do this for a whole massive cycle in 2013 where they are effectively like riding the wave as the biggest K-pop group in the world. Um, and then that it, that whole cycle is full of like dance pop and electro pop, uh, uh, like electro house stuff, a lot like kind of disco-y in places, like sounds kind of Daft Punky in places. It's great. Um, uh, everybody's a massive fucking single. They like do this incredible choreography where their toy soldiers like like on top of like giving each other electric shocks in time to wobs it's great i love it and then they just like throw that out and do the first uh deep house track in k-pop like the lead single for this album um view is like summer jam like quintessential summer jam <laughs> Yeah, 
Um, and this is the thing they just kept doing over and over again. Like they have a cool a, like set of sounds that they're very competent with and keep coming back to. But like they have always been the group that has found, because of their competence and artistry, have found ways to just make stuff that no one else is doing and it, that is just like quite clearly more like technically spectacular, like their thing. Uh, and anticipate the waves that are going to come. Definitely. Um, yeah. So that that's the pitch for, like, the old way of talking about Shiny, where, like, they're competent and amazing because of their competence. That's the thing. Um, what we ended up talking... What I wanted to do was being like, okay, this album's actually weirder than we took it, gave it credit for. Like, that, I actually think, is the, the, the thing I wanted to talk about. So... One of the things that is like really evident with this album is that it's straddling both an attempt to be fresh, like really genuinely fresh in 2015 terms for being like introducing subtle deep house style or like disclosure style UK chart house sounds, but also where the counterpoint to that is not any of the intervening stuff, the electro stuff that they've been doing for the last like five years, it's 90s R&B. Um, it, a, an album that sounds simultaneously too fresh and also about 15 years too late. Um, Lovesick is the sort of like template for this and it's very specifically uh, a, um, a callback to the debut track re uh, replay. Um, it's meant to be a sort of like second in a series. Um, and like, yeah, it's got the fucking like stabby Korg Supersaw lead noises that are just like bizarre to hear in this context on top of like you know the like stabs that you expect out of like modern house music um that's like one level on which this album is weird but then like i just like, trigger is a track let's talk about trigger for a bit <laughs> <laughs> yes shall we <laughs> so uh i don't want to just keep talking and like going track by track on this because i could i know this album so intimately well but just like appreciating like when you have an R&B group who you then say, okay, now go do some dubstep or go do your, uh, I don't know. Like this pigeonholing this as a genre is like near impossible because it like floats between like three different forms in its different sections in a very disconcerting and quite strange way. Um, I don't know what this is. It's good pop music, but I don't know what the fuck it is. I think I know what it is, and I actually have a note here where it's underlined and in all caps. You want to know what word I wrote down? Tell. Kwangya. Uh, yeah. 
I think this is proto Kwangya. So, the, for those who are not keeping up on SM Entertainment's latest exciting gimmicks in the world of, um, you know, mass marketing, um, in the last year or so, um, SM has attempted to construct a massive metaverse-style narrative that encompasses, me- like, initially, primarily, its new girl group. Um, uh, I'm just blanked on their fucking name. Esper. <laughs> um, wow. Um, but yeah, that's starting off, like, built around their, their new girl group, Esper, who have, like, um, uh, obviously human members obviously, but also virtual counterparts to them and have slowly incorporated this with all their other groups. So Super M sort of initiated this in the like the weird symbol stuff um, and they've fed their main boy group, NCT, into this and like slowly have introduced this on a more like promotional level. So it's not just about like weird artistry stuff about um, virtual realities. It's like, okay, now we're going to do VR concerts and AR augmented reality experiences on our live shows and in-person like like uh venues and things like that it's a whole ass thing the sound of this whole project though is very much cribbing like the the flashier and more chart ready end of hyperpop like that's part of the backbone um a while ago when hannah was on talking about like it ended up being the hyperpop episode with um (laughs) uh um my uh, teenage dream ended and uh, underscores. I played at the very end of that, the latest at that point, Esper single, and it included Umru underscore clank underscore snare underscore four as like obvious <laughs> underscore dry <laughs> as a core sample involved. But like it was, a, it's a track that clearly was made by a lot of people who'd been instructed by their ARs to listen to and recreate hyperpop and had failed miserably because they just like had gone overboard in in so many chaotic ways like it is a genuinely polytonal piece of music which is not a thing that is meant to be happening in your like in your like very straightforward brutal uh pop music um but yeah so like that though is like taking like abrasive metallic but still like uh brash and very much like played like harmonically dense approaches to pop music. And as soon as you say that, like, yes, Trigger is kind of this. It's a track that like floats between like, not quite authentically dubstep, but like post dubstep and EDM wave, like big, bold, strange, messy synths that like fill up your low mids alongside just like straight up R&B and like trade back and forth between them with like, astonishing ease like this this track structurally should not work and it does and this is like the thing that i think is often so special about k-pop is that like because it's often going through this like digestive process of like incorporating different styles rapidly with not all of the like aesthetic and contextual clues for how it's meant to work or like a need to transform it for the needs of the group involved in this case i'm very very like vocally talented r&b group um, they just do things that just like fuck it all up and somehow come out like still functional or still actually really compelling. Um, so yeah, Trigger is like this, Alive is like this, uh, Romance in a very different way is also like this. Like 
this the, the core of this album to me is built around tracks that are just like somehow slippery between like a bunch of different aesthetic poles that really should not coalesce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it was like if you look back at it in terms of the big picture, you can kind of say this was like a transitional period for SM Entertainment, their label, just mm-hmm. in terms of sound and how they reached out to producers. They were starting to go with more name first or like producers that were known by name. In this case, LDN Noise being a major uh, player for Shiny with View and uh, FX with Four Walls course um so it it kind of <laughs> i i know the how i know the dance for that chorus so I'm oh yeah it's honestly I, re- I thought i i thought i heard your chair moving as you got up to do it regs <laughs> <laughs> don't don't worry actually the the important thing about that dance is all of it is about the um the hand moves it's all it's all about very intricate beautiful little hand moves yeah. so um, yeah I was just, I was, what you probably heard was the squeak as I started like leaning backwards to do the hand moves. Um, <laughs> but no, that was actually a thing that I was very literally doing. So, you know. But yeah, definitely think uh, this period in SM's history musically, very interesting. I think it's where things started to modernize into their most recognizable form because with an album like this, you have all of these tracks where we can kind of point out like, okay, this has some dubstep influences. This has you know, some deep house influences, but at the end of the day, it still has a track like an encore where it's classic K-pop in a way that it's like, it's like a warm blanket or something so familiar, you know, it's comforting and it kind of hits all the notes and expectations in a way that I would say not only shiny could, but it sure helps that they're shiny. They're really fucking good at this kind of thing, Um, which is, which is like, I'm not going to say unfortunate, but just like, It just means that 12% of their album space is always going to be taken up by, like, really trad schluck, which is fine, and it's okay, and it's good. It's just that, like, the the album that's, like, like, um, anticipating all the, like, very strange revolutionary stuff that's about to happen, which includes, like, not only SM continuing to get weirder as it, like, searches for, like, how to keep being at the cutting edge, but also, like, a group like BTS emerging and just, like, smashing apart all the like conventional like norms of both like the formal aspects of how will you present a k-pop group but also just like the sound and the content being like completely like indifferent to all the trad stuff um yeah like there is a lot of trad r&b here and that's good um i i gotta pull it out because it's still my like go-to and favorite track on this record like big shout out to odai because i think that's an incredible track yes um, Junkin's songwriting at it's some of its very very best but my favourite track on this record is uh, Farewell My Love um, again because ridiculous cheesy synth line um, but somehow that builds with enough of the like muscularity from the, the new style of production to get like really really like spacious and like impactful um, and this chorus with the, the big stacked four part harmony uh, it's just like incredible to me. <sighs> it's good, 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 good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, the, the thing we ended up doing last time was like live reacting to like where are shiny now? Um, given that at this point all of the members have done solo releases, and in yes. the last year, Temin and Keys were like two of the most interesting 
like K-pop releases of the last year. Um, yeah, certainly. it's I had I had been live for it's uh, Reg sent me uh like the videos of them uh like their their solo material and their music videos being so like it's be, being like very like outward outwardly flashy but also like deeply deeply clever and a little like self cynical at times. Mm. Yeah. Um which I, I think speaks to Shiny's, um, you know, the, the amount of wiggle room that they've been able to negotiate for themselves and others within like SM and other labels. Yeah. Um, and, like these and, are, and then, yeah, these are, these guys, these guys are trailblazers yeah. is, uh, is, is the headline I think. Yeah, very much so. But this, the fact is like the, the record I brought was not the solo stuff that they were doing six no. years later when they bought that wiggle room. It's the like, how the fuck do you get there when, when you're like, you're like, absolute titans but you're the backside of your period of dominance and like how do you establish like the artistic credibility and the like um like chops to go out and do that it's by on the one hand starting to write your own stuff like as evidenced by a track like odai like that is junkin like testing the waters for like albums where he'll just write the whole thing and he does in fact in fact write the entirety of his solo releases after this point um and it's also like testing out new vocal styles, new production styles, and just, like, you... I'm going to say new emotional spaces. Because, again, they, they they haven't written tracks like Trigger or Alive before this point. They've, they've been far too bright and far too brash and far too poppy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, um, this is, this is like, how do you get there when you're still, like, a ridiculously slick R&B group? It's just, like, a fascinating question to me. But, yeah, it just also kind of bangs... I, I think Fuse a great pop track. I think Odai's an incredible pop track. I think the weird ones are weird in such strange, compelling ways that I've I heard them for the first time and they've never escaped my head. And all the way through, it's just like the best performance that K-pop has had in a generation doing their thing. And that's pretty fun. Hell yeah! Uh, cover watch. Yeah, cover watch. Uh, it's th- now now this is where I it's this is this is where I will sound a a little less. Uh, li- little less, little less forgiving, or a little less reverent. <laughs> um, I feel like not a lot. Of, it's, it's. I feel like it's again. I, I've, I've been raised on a homegrown diet of like video game graphics and like, like post Malone grime visual stuff. I, I bounce off a lot of K-pop's like branding visuals, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh it's a uh, it's I I like the I like the 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 uh like the the industry tendency to like repackage albums with like completely different visual directions and stuff. That that is that is something I find captivating and something that I think should be happening in our industry as well. Uh just so designers can get that extra bag. But uh it's I don't know. And this I don't know if I really like this cover. The, the interesting <laughs> it's, thing it's is cute. That, like... It's cute. It's it's blue and orange. It's odd. It's yeah. odd. So yeah. this is the thing. This is deeply atypical for a K-pop album. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm right in saying that, Bell. Like, this is I, this stands out to you as like a strange one in the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah, I would say definitely. Um, the thing that made it remarkable at the time was a lot of things that were coming out were so heavily focused on the physical packaging that sometimes the digital single cover would be a little bit weird, or like maybe they would have to do a different one that was like you know a group photo instead of having this very uh texture based packaging you know that you would often see with the releases at the Mm -hmm. time and this is where i think things started to sort of 
express a bit of a sea change, especially within the context of SM Entertainment, because this was very much just like, hey, like, we know we're in the digital age, we're in the streaming age, you need something that you can just quickly and snappily associate with this shiny stuff. Okay, here it is. This is directly off our mood board. This is odd. You know? Yeah. And um, I, so it's what it kind of feels like. I it's I I uh, I wanted to say it's uh since uh the the last time we recorded this I I I basically said like it's 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 cute it's kind of uh, um it's in that time it's I decided to do more research since you know odd does have multiple cover arts and multiple packagings mm-hmm. um it's there's there's other ones to look at as well like for the full box set there's uh there's them store sort of standing in like this uh, not a not like a slum, but like sort of just like a like a the like a like a driveway in the middle of the city or something. Like there's like a dump, like right next to it and stuff. And then odd is sort of projected onto the road and up the wall of one of the one of like the buildings that they're in. And that one's cute as well. It's the the one that really spoke to me is the like the creepy ass close up of the clown mask. The clown the clown yes. is a fucking nightmare. Yeah, that, that is that is fucking cool. <laughs> That yeah. is cool as hell. I why the fuck would they make that their cover? That's badass. So That's it's that I that should know, have been the first one I saw because this so, is awesome. Um, I don't know whether it will co- have come up in your research because it might not be totally obvious. But the repackage for this record was called "Married M- to the Music." Yeah, "Married to the Music," and it looks like a Suicide Boys tape. Yeah, um, <laughs> and the. the, the <laughs> Uh, so yeah, on the on the one it, it looks like it, yeah, and then the the like digital cover for that is fucking like bits of facial features on a plate of candy it's yes desperately strange it's it's great it's um, it's odd in a word yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so so like the thing for me is just like the the points in comparison for like what are the big iconic albums that are coming out at a very similar time to this so for sm I feel like Pink Tape, the the previous FX record, yes. was a 2013 record. That feels like a statement record to me in terms of like what people hold up as like really important records for the, for this. Definitely, and um, like so that just to bring the cover so Boo can see it. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Okay. It's a, it 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 is a Pink Tape. Yeah, the so physical yeah, like, version is quite literally like a little bit larger than a normal cassette, but it is very much like. We we did what we said we were going to do. This is pink tape, you know. Yeah. Um. And then like for for another more like genre version of this, but a very similar mode. The same year as, as odd is Wonder Girls' reboot. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. Which is them like a group photo, four girls in body suits with their respective instruments. Um. Just fun sideline. This is a girl group who. Oh, for like returning after a long hiatus uh, and a bunch of lineup changes decided to become a band as in they picked up instruments and started playing like Italo disco it was great yeah um uh but yeah like again the the like intense focus on the sort of like literal packaging of the group the the like the visuals of them as appealing artists and the statement of who the group is and what they are about um and that I think that's common to both the FX and one of the girls records. And that this is, I mean, it's probably stock photography, but I don't really care because it's just like so desperately unusual for this moment. Like it just like stands out even among Shiny's subsequent records, mostly I think. Story of Light's an exception because it's a quite exceptional album in comparison, but like 
um, most of the time they're like very figurative. They're very much about the group and they're still doing the same thing as all the other things, which is like showing the members of the group in an aesthetic like environment that like manage is man is meant to communicate something about what that album is doing yeah and this is not that this is some random person's hand going underwater like this is genuinely strange in a way that i don't think moan <laughs> this just the fact that obviously this is like down to a bunch of a and decisions this isn't like some grand insightful move but it makes you at least consider this in terms of like selling a mood and aesthetic that is quite deliberately understood rather than selling the members. And that that is like a genuinely like important move that got made at some point in the mid 2010s. And that like is the move that makes BTS meaningfully different from everyone else. Like it's the, that's the thing. Um, like the, in the obvious, obviously like they are, the BTS's members of like obviously they have massive cults of personality built around them, but like they only work as a group. They only become massive when vibe is a thing that you can actually sell the whole project on. Um, yeah. Both in terms of like subject matter being dark and strange and kind of like Tumblr fanficy in the best way, or like strange and metaphysical and artistic and like full of German romantic romantic literature and all that sort of stuff. But this just feels like. How do you do that when you're not doing like gothic gothic romantic literature? You are doing uh, like summer jams and pastel hair and uh, like uh, like cut. Um, uh, <laughs> what what was I thinking? Um, uh, yeah, like mangled Balenciaga jumpers. Like that's the vibe. Um, I've dropped the my favorite live stage of this because it's got on you with the peach hair, and I think this that like. Onyu's vibe with the like ridiculous um, uh, contact lenses and the peach hair is just like captures the like weird like fucked up slightly surreal beach vibe that the the album like actually quite successfully like captures for me. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's it's very interesting that you chose this particular stage because I remember this was a period. Also, uh, at the same time as, I believe, Free Somebody by Luna, where people yeah. started looking at SM and being like, what? What are you guys doing with all these like visual appearances? Why do they look like this? Why is the styling yes. this way? And honestly, I, I really dug it. Because as someone yeah. who grew up near the beach and grew up near like a lot of like the fast fashion stuff where things would like really, you would see the trends like, overnight like pop up and go away and what have you it was very interesting to see that all refracted back with a much different light applied to it you yeah. know like like obviously the the whole thing like i've like followed a bunch of twitter accounts to just like try and find the fashion pics of a bunch of k-pop artists and it's like eye-watering because it's quite clearly gone through the refracted lens of like ready to wear um high-end fashion um which is you know the thing is but at the same time, like the the like sense of aesthetic cohesion, instead of there being uniform, like the most famous um, uh, like life stage that Shiny had before this was everybody. Mm -hmm. um, the single, uh, in fact, immediately before this comeback, um, which they're dressed up in a bunch of military uniforms playing toy soldiers, like entirely different vibe, entirely like what well, what they say, like it is a it is 
a performance devoid of vibe. It's a performance about the actions being done on stage with like costume. It's not a uh, performance about like building a vibe and a, like a a sense of what the like environment and therefore like the larger, more extended like narrative relationship um, with the artist is meant to be. Um, everybody's a look that lives and dies inside the music video on the live stage. And view is meant to be the thing that's meant to like capture the, like the sense of the album and the sense of the like the mode and mode uh, the, like the mode of relation that you have with the artist as a whole. Which I think is just like, that's the move. That's the thing that starts happening that makes, I think, K-pop in this period really fucking interesting. And I think it's kind of, the difference can be highlighted between like, View is a song that I would feel no amount of discomfort sharing with people who maybe don't have much experience with K-pop or perhaps, you know, they're not as acquainted with like different groups outside of BTS. You know, they want to see something that might be like a little bit familiar, a little bit different. But if you, if you show somebody, everybody right off the bat, it's like, it's a lot to handle. It's like steeped in K-pop-isms that are so hard to explain if you haven't really been, you know, kind of keyed in on what will happen in terms of performance and what will happen in terms of live stages and how much of it is about, like, making a show literally three times a week, maybe four or five every week for, like, a month. You know, it's, it's a whole different world, and I think everybody represents the peak of, uh, concept-driven, for lack of a better word, eras for SM Entertainment and Shiny at large. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Because, like, it changes after this. Like, there are still, like, there are still music videos built around uniforms. Like, I think Exo's Monster comes to mind. It's like, that's 2016. And they're still very much in the mode of, like, the transition between big, spectacular stage performances. But, quite clearly, there is, like, a, a sense of well, like an attempt to link it into the, the group's larger narrative in that case. And using that as a way of just like, oh no, it's not just that they're in uniforms, they're in like the cool kind of like streetwear bodysuit vibe that is going to like be the sort of like grim, dark hip hop, like uniform for the next little while. And like everyone starts wearing that. Right. Um, and you just see the transitions happening through in that, in that direction. And then by the time you get to NCT, like it's just abandoned entirely. They like, they are a streetwear is like the, like white, the way they, go on stage that's just it um they don't do uniforms whatsoever they don't do like closed sense concepts in that way i think the best point that you could definitely if uh anybody at home wants to follow along and figure out like where are the lines drawn the seventh sense video by nct i think is kind of like it's it's the big red mark on the calendar like this is where things got a little bit different you know yeah, um, and I will shout out because we do in, indeed have the um, Stamatology episode about Seven Sense. Um, NCT is a fascinating group. They sort of like live as the result of all the transformations we're talking about with Odd, like the move to like vibes based marketing. Um, and yeah, um, the like a supremely successful iteration of that. Um, 
Seventh Sense is incredible. Boo, have you seen this video? Uh, I'm looking at it right now. I gotta say, it's this turned from Boo's cover watch to Bell and Regs's visual watch, like <laughs> like that. I mean, like it's that's that's it's literally it's see that's a that's a cover watch is such a Western idea yeah. because <laughs> for 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 music over here, it it primarily exists. But the the most coverage that like visu like visuals in music can be represented is you know God willing if you get a music video. Or just like the vinyl, like the 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 vinyl houses a a centralized space for you know the 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 world of the song to be seen, um, and uh, you know K-pop, J-pop overseas stuff is not that at all. So much so much of it is about appealing to it's like trying trying to create that world to appeal to the visual senses so much more strongly than here does I think. Um, it's so, you know, in the, in the, in the sense that it's, uh, you know, I, uh, I come here as a casual listener, uh, you know, you guys fill in that position the, of a block that I normally conquer, um, with like just talking <laughs> about the, the visual entire design, visual, yeah. the, like the visual design of K-pop in general and how shiny changed that. Yeah. So no, yeah, no, uh, no, uh, <laughs> no, no hate from this corner. Don't worry. Um, nice. But yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing. Like, what's so fun about K-pop is that it very deliberately manages a much larger artistic and aesthetic like palette and like toolkit in a yes. way that like oh, this is the thing. It's not like Western pop music is not like constructing very elaborate visual products with like branding strategies and complex music videos and like extended senses of like with like typography and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And a lot of the most interesting independent pop artists have taken a lot of cues from K-pop in how yes. to like do that like larger visual sense. But mainstream American pop music doesn't always actually care about this a lot. Or when it no. does, it doesn't do it in a very sophisticated way because it's suddenly not in the habit of it. Whereas this mm -hmm. is all the K-pop is. It's like you need a song in order to sell the mood, which like that should hopefully correspond to like the reason that you're selling your members and like that combination of like personality vibe song and like aesthetic and visual appearance package like that is something that these will be strategically managed over years with a very deliberate and very like specific plan um and also like a bunch of like theory of culture going into like where is the next five years going to be? Why do we need to be doing the things we need to do? Hence the like big transition to like internationalism that NCT was meant to herald that sort of flopped. And then five years later, the big transition to like metaverse virtual bullshit that <laughs> Kwangya is meant to represent. Like this is like, we're seeing these like big bets on how we're going to consume media and what matters to people to sell them their bullshit happen in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right, cause you're so good at taking a point that I said, it's like, and you're you're so much better at making it sound smart. <laughs> uh, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as a compliment, but also you yes, say that's... the smart things that I get to run with. It's fun. This is what a good <laughs> podcast is. You, it's you, true. It's you true. Th you lob things up and I dunk them down. Uh, yep. You yep. are the crystal to my Blake Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, on that note, I think it's time for us to uh, 
to get on the express train to memory land, what wait, do we wait, say? Wait, hang on. Do, is there another pick and roll combination you'd prefer to be? Would you like to be the, the Clint Capella to my Trey Young? Sorry, would you like to be the Trey Young to my Clint Capella? I'm, I'm thinking more in the vein of like Ryu and Ken. <laughs> uh, um, now that's it, a dynamic duo everyone can love, baby. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm thinking more like Marx and Engels. A... Yeah, that's 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 what's up, folks. It's I'm making a statement on this statement podcast. Time. I know, I know, I know. This podcast isn't exactly left leaning, so it's you know, uh, it's it's. It's gonna make raspberry noises into the into the microphone until <laughs> uh, raspberries blown in all directions. Uh, <laughs> I realized I didn't actually say anything about who the members of Shiny are. Oh no. Who cares? Go listen to Stan Ontology. We're going. We talk about them more than enough. There. It's true. Oh. Yeah. Is it is it time for some CFCF? Yeah, I think it is. I I promise I'll keep this like a half hour of memory land. <laughs> it's it's, well, uh, it's I've been I've been listening to what I said like um over and over, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna punch this up. I'm gonna punch this up. I can punch this up super easy. Cause I also feel bad about um. Uh, it's, I basically called CFCF, like, all of, like, his other records mediocre. Uh, You're allowed to just say that someone else's what? work is mid in comparison to their uh, masterpiece. Which, it's, like, I, I don't think, it's, but, like, I don't think it's mid. I think it's good. I just didn't, I just don't like it as much. Mm-hmm. See, it's, I, I'm always intent on, the, like, the, like, the difference between, like, objective quality and my subjective reaction to yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's, I, I hate, I hate having a solipsistic idea about like music and stuff um it it it, uh it it makes sense that someone else likes something that i don't like Mm -hmm. um like it's i i see the value in something even if i don't like it no 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 Um, totally fair so it's that's that's i i I felt bad about saying like like liquid colors is kind of mid it's i think liquid colors is kind of ass and stupid and crappy and dumb and farty so I mean, at the same time, I also think you can cultivate like a platform where you're like comfortable knowing that what we're talking about is subjective judgments, and th- those no, are meaningful. No, no, I'm building scared. It. I'm scared all the time. I'm scared. I'm so scared. <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
I'm looking at this, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Canada has sort of like a, like a racist convoy thing going on right now. Oh, yes. Oh? I've, I've heard about this. Is it, has it come to BC? Has it come to Vancouver? Yeah, it's, BC is where it kind of started. Uh, oh. it's, it's, it's one of like the, 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 the big coastal areas for it. It's, um, mm. a oh. couple of, a couple of trucks just... No, yeah, just, like, I'm just hearing, like, three trucks doing, like, Brian Eno numbers outside, and I'm like, damn, you guys are racist as fuck. Cool. Sorry, that's that's happening right now. God damn. Eh. Look, it's... <sighs> I don't know, man. I'm just... I'm, I'm looking at posts on the internet. I'm looking at music on the internet. <laughs> I mean, hey... Do you want to talk about an album about looking at posts on the internet? Yeah. You know what? You know what? Oh, man, that's a... We can't put this segue in because I can't talk about the fucking convoy. But that's sick. Are Fuck. you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? No, no, you're right. You're right. Let's... I, oh, man, I don't know. I've, damn, it's... I definitely just ruined it by talking about it enough. But, no, it's uh, fine. It's fine. <laughs> Again, the magic of editing. <laughs> My album that I brought that is mine... <laughs> yes. CFCF's Memory Land. Uh, CFCF, uh, Canadian producer. Uh, it's, uh, it's I has always been basically like on the radar in where in like I think me and Regs's respective music corners. Like it's, uh, it's they uh, they'll uh, they'll they'll show up on like Lucky Me Advent calendars sometimes. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's, uh, come on, that, that, that's that's not a dunk. That's like that's no. that's just true. Like you know, like pitch pitchfork core electronic music that is interesting but also like palatable. Like this is an, yeah uh, an unusual uh, the clo closer to the more digestive and di digestive and like publicly accessible end of electronic music that me and Regs listen to. Um, you know, very much in like that uh, that Jacques Green, uh, um, Lunice Camp, Sidrim. Um, you know those guys. It's uh, CFCF uh, produced uh, Liquid Colors, I believe the name of the record was back in 2019. Uh, it's a lot of CFCF stuff is is too long and housey for me personally, <laughs> and that's that because it's you know it's my my background is uh, my my background for like discovering music is through like. Uh, video games where shit basically has to change every bar and then loop for like two minutes. So there's that very satisfying feedback loop. So a lot of like longer and like like drearier like house stuff and like really quiet and patient stuff, I just completely bounce off of. Um, and CFCF heard this about me and decided <laughs> to make my album of last year, Memory Land. Uh, <laughs> so good. Yeah, this, this, album is, uh, this album fucking rules. This this is that it's like landmark, gorgeous, 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 gorgeous work. Uh, I don't want to take up all of the discussion on it because it's. Uh, I I think I'm in very great company with people who like relate to and understand the exact precipice of time that memory Memoryland really gets its teeth into. Yeah. So like this is an album that very much is mining the depths of like late nineties electronica, electronica as like not merely just like the thing that iTunes classified all dance music as for an eternity, but like, <laughs> the, yeah. I, I, I did a fucking spit take. <laughs> oh fuck! I legit, I legit spat out some shit. Yeah, that's oh, that's God. one of the all time genres up there with hip hop slash rap. 
Yes. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, and you know it's my favorite label, Various Artists. Yes. Oh, oh my god! It just the amount of things that got put into alternative or indie slash alternative. Jesus. Uh. Gorillas got labeled electronica. Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah. Okay. So like, there is a sense of electronica is the like big like takes up 30% of whatever's in iTunes' library. And this is not that. This is like the specific aesthetic moment that we passed through in like between 1995 and 2001. And that like includes some of the most iconic dance music, the, the like shapes a lot of what follows from it in like very important ways. But like that like has idiosyncrasies that makes it feel dated and very specific and very like caught in time. And it's an album called memory land. This is very much interested in nostalgia and mining like shit from when you were a kid and how it feels to listen to that shit. It's very good at it because it knows it like the back of its hand and it mines it for all it's worth. Yeah. Um, it's, um, something that, uh, I, I think as we talk about like the cross pollination of um, you know East Asian influence to like and American R and B like coalescing and exchanging, this is this is a record that's like really really in that uh, really in that area. It's but sort of puts puts a lot of like um, uh, it, it it is a very like distinctly like. Uh, like looking up European fashion magazines and stuff to like yeah. edge to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, something we said uh, the first go around on this is like memory memory land uh, basically functions as like a CD in a counterculture fashion magazine that like comes free with it. Like it's just a playlist of what's happening right now. Um, fuck, do I miss those, by the way? Oh my god, they were, that was the best part of going to Urban Outfitters, was like, even if you only spent, like, really about five to ten bucks, you could probably walk out of there with one of those bad boys. You know what I mean? And, like, it's, you find, like, one of the coolest songs of, like, that half of the year. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's like... And it's by the bloody beetroots, and... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) You could could listen to, like, you could listen to Kings and Them era Evie and Christ. Yeah. Off those. But, um, you know, like, way, way back when, like, it's just, just at the turn of the century where, you know, um... I wish, uh, I wish globalism wasn't such, like, a, wasn't such a... Like a weighted sent, like a weighted phrase, because th- this is a global work. This is this this celebrates, you know, the the massive amount of influences that are going into culture, um, uh, both under and overground. Um, that it's it's a it's the this is a this is a this is a uh, this is like astro but much more wistful. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um. Nostalgia is the name of the game on this record, but it's not, it's not nostalgia deployed, um, in an insincere or even like communicating about its sincerity kind of way. It's just, it's just like phenomenal period piece work that, uh, that also exists right now. Yeah. Very, very much so. Like, 
uh, I'll, I'll just like chuck it out. My favorite track on the record is as a as very frequently with these like very expansive, quite conceptually loaded is one of the interludes because that's where all the like the narrative lifting gets done and it's suburb. Yep. Yep. This, this is this is a record that rewards interludes gang. Yes. Exactly. One hundred percent. But God. yeah, it's like the sound design moment of the like referencing that like weird moment in particularly I, in my head at least it comes in like. British, like, um, <laughs> like, not Britpop, the, the, like, indie stuff that was happening just before that, the, like, Stone Roses in My Bloody Valentine and, um, Cocteau Twins putting, um, funky drummer breaks underneath Shoegaze tracks, um, except this is the, like, 2021 version where they've actually done that as a sidechain in a trance gate instead, or tremolo, instead of, a uh, like, putting the breaks in. But just, like, how you make shoegaze sound like a dance beat um and it's just an incredible bit of sound design and just like captures the like that very weird combination of just like that the head spinning um like reach and grab of a, a reference of the mid 90s at the yes. same time it's sounding absolutely fresh and absolutely like brilliantly masterfully produced in a very very deliberate way they're not about what's supposed to be normal. They, they really see things the way they are. Around here, it's like if you listen to anything weird, you're considered some type of alien or something. Yeah. It's kind of scary how everyone's so like on TV here. You know, so conservative, like Republican. And all the moms sitting at Denny's gossiping. Oh, I heard Heather sent my daughter a dirty email. You did? Whatever. But then also, like, you know, it's got the narrative stuff about all the moms sitting around at Denny's chatting about, oh, Heather sent my daughter a dirty email. Well, did you? Whatever. Um, yeah. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, it sort of captures both the, like, very deliberate nostalgia, like, narrative direction but also the sensation of like you're doing this now because there is instructive or like emotionally gripping stuff there for us right here um, yes 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 um and yeah so Babalu is just like a perfect example of it but this whole album is just like full of different ways in which that music is just like refracted into where we are right now in very cool and very important ways also mm -hmm. but with a lot of the like melancholy and drama like melodrama in particular like still drenched yes. in it still attached yeah um yeah it's bell me and me and uh me and regs were kind of hogging it's you 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 go on for a stretch well i i think something something that definitely stands out about this one to me is how like it kind of uses the idea of movement of being able to be near the goings-on and near the hustle and bustle yep. as a status symbol and the kind of beginning of the album, you have this interlude where you hear a woman talking and a little bit of it is overdubbed in English and a little bit of it is overdubbed in Chinese. And uh, essentially the gist of it is that this person is going on a night out, you know, but this is kind of like the, their night out is also like lifestyle. Their night out is how they, you know, how they keep themselves going. And all this is only possible because of proximity and that can be, 
you know, empowering, but it can also swallow you whole sometimes. And I think that's where, like, the later parts of this album get into that. And um, one of the things that stands out most to me is the track uh, Gravire Idol and how different it is from everything else on the record and how, like, aggressive and kind of, like, uncomfortable, really, it gets. And it anchors all of this with what I'm almost certain is a sample of... Uh, perfect blue, because you hear a moment where the person gets a fax. A fax? Who's it from? <gasps> and they ask who it's from, and it's just kind of out of place in the context of the album, but if, if you have that kind of background to reference it, it's like, oh man, something deeply discomforting is happening right now. And Yes. Yes. I I think that's the magic of Memory Land, is that it does not treat this looking backward as something that will be this fully nostalgic, fully pleasant, fully wonderful thing, because for a lot of people, that shopping, you know, that kind of, like, retail experience lifestyle was usually done because something else was falling short, and for many people in America, obviously, we can point towards, like, post-9-11 as, like, sort of shop the pain away, and this, Mm -hmm. many of the sounds on this album, I think, had a little bit before that, but they also are analogous to experiences that came very much in the later years for me, I would say. I uh, I wanted to extrapolate on that, you know, sort of the the uh, the the double uh, the the two sided coin that uh, uh, that fashion has placed on this record. The uh, like the the opening dialogue on model castings is a woman like years in the past talking about her future, uh, our present. Um, talking about how it's like it's like she can't be in this industry for much longer because she's like what like 23 24 I don't remember her exact yeah her very exact, like listing of age but it's like like it's she's she's already so self-aware that like by the time like you know it's like we sit down to talk about this record and we hear this sample she'll have have to move on to another career um, and uh, I I thought that uh, I thought that putting such a uh, like it, like fashion is youth in its in its in its most sheer nature it's it's sexy powerful youth um and that that is that is where this this record lies like there's there's some uh like it's again like perfect blue like it's it's there's some there's some you know anime like sort of geeky elements to it but otherwise like it's it's about you know the sensuality of being young yeah, and I think it's a lot more keyed in and a lot more based on the lived experience of someone who now, let me preface this by saying this is no diss on any of the artists that I bring up, but, like, it feels like a, mo- a lot more of a lived experience record than something like Nurture or, like, a Porter Robinson record, where that's kind of, like, the what-ifs, you know? This mm-hmm. is about, like, the what-was, or, like, the yes. what I was feeling as all this other crazy shit went down, you know? This kind of, like, period of uh, coming of age and sort of independence and every ugly thing that can rear its head with all of that that's kind of encompassed by this record. I think it's, like, it, it's very much a record for people who have done a bit of living. Yeah, like, it, in that specific moment, it forces you to confront, like, where has that person ended up? And the, like, the very literal, like, tactile knowledge that, like, no, like, you went on that night out, you 
suffered through the morning afterwards and you have to live with the consequences of not having that 40 quid in your bank account yeah and uh and the like fucked up relationship that you have now with the people who you like got drunk with and said something uncomfortable to you like yeah the the like day night work home is the one that comes to mind for me to be like the the, the it's a track that i i mentioned this in the previous time we recorded like this feels like it's really heavily taken from underworld specifically taken from born slippy like it's like mm-hmm. got the, the like the that combination of like euphoria and like intense like neurotic drive to it with the like overdriven kick that just like screams rave to me um and in a way that like just like it feels the pressure of like the incessant movement and it's both like it's lifeblood and also the thing that's going to grind it into the fucking world and it, it's it's such a yeah it's such a a, a double-edged and like it, it when the music is this often you what as euphoric as this record often is it's surprising when it feels so double-edged um yes um but it is and really fucking double-edged and like kind of scary in places and that's 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 what memory is, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's 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 a scary scary place, but we keep going back to it. I think um, it's a uh, not to say that this record is just like like uh, consisting solely of you know it's like like models who are young, dumb, and full of bright ideas. Uh, it's there's there's so much so many like it's you know just by its sheer nature there's so many musical references. Uh, in this record, like it's the second track is called "Life Is Perfecto," like that's like it's the you know it's like that's that's the mission statement of like you know it's like the 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 perfecto label is is where we're going to be you know self service nineteen ninety nine pure like discovery era Daft Punk like it's almost like cynically so um, and Curve of Forgetting has the Aphex Twin boy girl song like blim 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 blim. <laughs> Uh, just play play for like a single bar on it to make you like, yo, oh shit, that's sick as hell. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's all it needs to do too because it's like this, you, you know what that means when you hear that yes. tiny sliver. It's the idea of a micro sample actually hitting. You know that, that that's basically what happens. This 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 record rewards like like the 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 geeky extrovert. Hundred um, percent. In a way that uh, I don't think a lot of other stuff, even like uh, like when that is the mission statement of uh, of the record, um, like it's it's just so good at it. It's so funny. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, like it's it targeting <laughs> targeting a record for like dance music geeks um, with like interest and obsessions in like Y two K era like internet and media culture. Like this is pretty perfectly targeted for like us as a group, but yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all like, damn. If I was sexier, damn. <laughs> <laughs> but also, just like, no, this is very much like a, a genuine understanding of that experience and like a, a, a feeling of the like ocean of terror that resides in knowing this like weight of like both disposable but very like really fully lived culture like sits just behind you um uh, just a really amazing quote um this got a this got i think a 7.0 from pitchfork and in response he tweeted 
this album was almost envisioned, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but was almost envisioned as a seven to be slightly bloated and not without its flaws because it needs it. It's again, an hour and 10 minutes and like full of like lanes that go down and song structures that just like fall over and out of themselves and like expand in slightly uncomfortable ways mm-hmm. or like drone or like impress themselves upon you. Uh, and yeah. Like, there are many tracks that clock over five, many that clock over seven in this mm-hmm. record. Like, mm-hmm. it's way and too- they're, like, it's they're not all house tracks or anything no. either. There's like six minute songs that are just like floating around. Like it's like they, there's there's just like like nostalgic body takes its time getting to like the the really crazy break part. Like it yeah. really fucking takes its time mm-hmm. getting to like the the really crazy like uh like break beat like thrash down part of it and then it leaves it in like you know 16 bars and then we just we just we just chill out for the rest of it it's like this really violent jolt over the course of six minutes yeah and i think and it, i mean you sorry, oh, sorry. Go for, go for it. i think it, it it also like it represents like an interesting middle ground for cfcf between like the person who made these night bus mixes and the person who made uh, liquid colors you know this very much like drum and bass for the most part record it kind of shows like there is a connection between these two things going on and they very much exist within the same person and oftentimes that is part of the lived experience that the record depicts is like finding your dualities you know as you kind of get through life yeah and i mean just like this is also sits alongside one of the the most fun bits of the record being punk song Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Like just making a one minute, 30 second thrashy, like punk track with a with a drum machine um, and putting your voice on it specifically. Like there are bits of his own voice littered throughout this album, but like this is, I think the one where it feels the most upfront and like most like it's necessary to make the song work, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's just really fucking good. It's really fucking good. Um, um. To 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 speak to uh, you know the 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 seven out of ten statement where like this record is like uh, like you know bloated and a little overbearing. Mm-hmm. This has like uh, let me count them. one two three four five five ending tracks yes. on it uh, where it's like it's they all they all they all are like perfectly functional endings. Uh, how it's the the second out of five is called end curve of forgetting like that's <laughs> that's a that is a perfect ending statement for a record you know it's it's literally named for the curve of forgetting wherein um you know it's like the the stronger the memory is the the less likely you are to forget it um you know it's like being shown all these new fancy like powerful like evocative imagery like at the shopping mall or whatever you're not going to forget that but you're going to forget most of the days of your life basically and that's that's scary that's 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 what a lot of this is about and then you get heaven which is really um uh like the uh it's a it's like the anime ed of this record yeah featuring (laughs) uh featuring like a phenomenal appearance from one sarah benito uh it like in the role that i think she's always meant been like meant to play yes. as like this this sort of like post grunge like looking at the back of an anime character as the sun sets um uh, uh, and uh, as spl- like as like this as the sponsor logos of like Tomi and Bandai Namco show up. Uh, th- this is Makoto Shinkai as fuck. This is like yeah. <laughs> like overly detailed leaves blowing in like hair like flying as the like train whizzes mm-hmm. past and like 
de departures and goodbyes are being said. Um, departures are happening. Like, yeah, like wistful, emotional things are happening, but they're like bittersweet, but also somehow pure and innocent and hopeful. And like, yeah, no, like I'm gratuitously butchering the like full emotional range of everything KK being and Sarah are like capable of doing, but mm -hmm. it's so fucking perfect. It's so good. And then you get the ultraviolet room, which is just play him out, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just this weird talk box jazzy number that literally just fades out. It's perfect. And you, and then, you know, it's a uh, true to form, uh, with records of the days you get a, you get a freaking, uh, remix at the end of it. That's just, that's just in the track listing. Like it's not, it's not like a pre-order bonus or like a Japan exclusive or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's just in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's really funny you bring up the cover forgetting. Was it in the last recording or was it in a previous episode that I mentioned the caretaker? Do you remember? Uh, I don't. I don't remember ever talking about. I I, I would have blotted out any like mention of us talking about the caretaker. No, Be because uh, upsetting or because miserable or. No, it's that's that's no. I I just like being a hater, even though I love the caretaker. <laughs> Damn. So this is the thing. Like the caretaker is an artist who immensely infuriates me. Like immensely, <laughs> because mm -hmm. unfailingly, I go poke a caretaker release, um, and it like absolutely shreds me. Like, yeah. Um, the, the, it's indescribably sad and indescribably like like. Uh, like emotionally taxing to try and work through. At the same time, I think like everywhere at the end of time is like the big statement piece, right? Mm -hmm. It's a it's a project that infuriates me because I don't fundamentally think that the memories of the old people suffering from dementia. To be clear, okay, for people who don't know, the caretaker is a. British ambient sort of found sound collage <laughs> to be, to, artist. Hang on, hang on, Rex. Old people are. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> so the concept of linear time, um, not quite. Um, yeah, the caretaker is a British sort of like ambient slash experimental slash like sound collage artist um, whose biggest projects have generally involved taking found samples of records, usually like old, like, well, this is the thing. Ever at the end of the end of time is a progression through the stage of dementia, um, captured through like slowly disintegrating and derealized um, bits of mostly like old show tunes and big band and like carnival bullshit is the derogatory way I'd put it. Um, and the problem for me is like. The content of memory isn't reducible to the, the like vibe that you get looking at an older person. Like you look at an older person sitting in a yeah. care home and imagine them to just like have the whiff of like caramel candies and um and like the the like the sound the the background music that sounds like it belongs in a in a slightly racist um, circus act from 1951. <laughs> like. That's not what the interiority of people is like. Like, what people are losing is not that. It's far more real. It's far more, like, genuinely personal and far more painful than, like, the vibe music that you've invented for them. That's why I find the project so, like, infuriating and disconcerting. It's that, like, 
I don't imagine the interiority to be this banal or this stereotypical. And why this record, like, feels like such a fascinating, like, plumbing through the, like, ways in which memory feels so threatening is because it feels so, like, definite. Like, the, the whole point is, like, the uncanniness comes from not the fact that it's, like, something stereotypical to a point in time that is slowly derealized because that's, like, the stereotype that you associate. It's the fact that, like, everything on this record is either a period piece that feels absolutely fr fresh because it's never it never really went away, or it uses its period pieceness to discover the threat that was hiding along the actual process of living in that moment. And that, like, that is a, that's, like, a, a mode of engaging with memory... Um, and it's like loss and transformation that is far more interesting to me than the caretaker version. Um, it's just like disguised through the fact that it just sort of slaps at the same time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, two records that deal with memory in very, very different ways, but like I prefer the CFCF record it's, immensely. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like old people, so memory land beats <laughs> it out for me. <laughs> They, they look... Uh, so, I mean, the Caretaker record is a record that sell, says, I don't like old people, they look like they smell funny. Like... <laughs> uh, they, they, need to, they need to make a record about uh, being a hater. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's the end of my sentence. That, uh, well, I think that's a good point. You know, there's, there's uh, records for memories, there's records for lack of memories... There's not records for being a fucking hater, so maybe no, that's the final frontier. Uh, I, it's I'm going to make a record called Haterland. <laughs> Do it. And it's Do it. it's a it's a, a, a tracks one through twelve are called "Sitting in the Back of the Club with My Arms Crossed" brackets because I don't like the music selection and brackets. <laughs> uh, cover watch. Yeah, oh yeah. Sleeve sleeve of the year, sleeve of the year. Um, it's a direction by uh, uh, God. I, I hope I'm not butchering this name. Ben Seifel, who um, uh, uh, used to run uh, the graphic resign Tumblr, which was a religious text for me, um, back when I was in high school. Uh, it's like sort of like this. It's uh, like very uh. It's like the it's it's the collected like video gamey like sh like sort of being a hoe while playing Shin Megami Tensei kind of vibe, or like, um, like, <laughs> like it's like looking at the typography of Comme des Garçons and being like whoa as opposed to the actual clothes. <laughs> um, this uh with uh with illustrations by Dale and Sue. Uh, Dalen, uh, it's you, uh, Hot Singles listeners might, uh, remember that it's I, I Will Die at the Throne of One of Tricks Point Never's Age Of. They did the, uh, storyboarding and animation for the, the station video, mm -hmm. which looks gorgeous. Um, very beautiful bodies, uh, like, uh, illustrated across this record with, like, fashion photography by Jody Hartz and Alex Blowin. Um, and, like, you know, it's like, pitch perfect like uh like composite uh like uh shots bleeding into each other um like piece setting stuff beautiful typography from Mirko Iverson very authentic and uh um you know uh Wen's stuff from the type foundry like you know last century it's, it's oh man 
it's this uh i it's i i don't have a lot to say in it but it's you can feel its energy so strongly yeah like it's this is uh also that uh that this record's like main colors are magenta and yellow really speak to its uh and also the fact that it's literally like two magazine pages printed out and scanned yes uh really really speaks to uh the era of when you know it's like going to the mall and picking up like a magazine or something was like the most culture that you could have um it's like this this is where idea this is where visual was formed for a lot of people um and uh you know that doesn't happen now now it's uh, instagram uh timelines go sideways and uh you know Jimmy Fallon and uh Paris Hilton trade NFTs on their talk show. Oh my god, that that video's been doing the rounds again today. Oh that's awful. I I hate web3. I hate it so much. That's that's that that's not the discussion that we need to have with regards to memory land, <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's I no. I hate that shit so much. Uh this is this is a very beautiful v- very very beautiful um you know, like look and uh, and it's like like bleeding heart tribute to um uh, you know like the 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 fashion and typography movements of the time. Also, uh, every record that is uh, published with a uh, I'm gonna get a uh, one sec. I, I'm going to do a little bit of a uh, uh, plugging here. There is a uh, there's a soft there's a website called Sleeve Note that I uh, I as a graphic designer who is very passionate about you know making sure visual ideas are represented. Um. Uh, very very passionate about where it's uh it'll 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 basically just play like a Spotify link or something, um, like of the record. But it's artists can upload like all like the vinyl booklet stuff and mm. uh, like send like unique tags for it. So it's uh, this is where you can get a, like a lot of sick um uh. You know, uh, a lot of sick looks at album art up close. Oh, this is uh, the, so the, cool! This this shit rocks. It's it's uh it's it's user curated, um, but like lots of art. Like David Rudnick's stuff for Cavalcade is on here presented in a completely unique way uh-huh. by David himself. Um, it's a uh, so sleeve note that that's my plug for the episode. Sleeve note, go fucking check out sleeve note. That's sleevenote.com. Um, something that I noticed is that it's like it's you can look at the back cover of any record almost immediately which is so fucking sick and on the back of this there's a there's a little uh, mention that says that this was publicly funded through Canadian art grants oh hell yeah oh man that's awesome it's it it, it, you could see the official and this is an awesome sentence you could see the official logo of Canada on the back (laughs) (laughs) let's go it's awesome it it actually looks so sick, like across this like this record that is like really unique display type for all the stuff, and then fuck it, just throw the Canada logo back there. It's a it is a legal requirement for this vinyl to get pressed. It's uh, awesome. Uh, at some point, do we need to do like graphic design reviews of countries? <laughs> not yeah, the, not, I, you know, not in I, their entirety, I, but you know, uh, first first hot single stream. We don't talk about uh, okay, hot single stream where we rank the anthems and I rank the country's flags. Yes, <laughs> beautiful. Yes. I mean, uh, I, I do oh. already have like country flag opinions, and 
it's going to be important that they we agree eventually. But also just uh, like the tourism look, logos. It's for for look look for for big content, I think it's important that we don't agree. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, I see where this you is going. You understand? It's look, look, I'll zag when you zig, okay? And then that's mm -hmm. where the viewers roll in. Yeah, and we're going to make no, an Excel spreadsheet. To, to, gonna... to, rank, to rank the tourism logos, that'd be so. But I mean, what, what the a, fucking, what a, what a the completely... Canada one, yeah. The Canada yeah, one's what a, pretty fucking it's, excellent, actually. It's badass. It's cool. Uh, big, ups to, uh, big ups to the guy that made that. God, they're going to be. I'm going to look that up and I'm going to feel so stupid. Um, Memory Land. It's a record that has Canada on the back, and that's why you should listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Regs, where on this beautiful, beautiful planet in which we are all connected can people find you? You forgot the, the next albums again. What? Fuck! Oh, I did it again. No. Okay, cut, cut this out. Of cut course, this of out, course, cut course. this out. Cut no the fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay, all right. Regs, <laughs> what on this beautiful, beautiful earth in which we are all connected is your pick for next, uh, quote marks, week of Hot Singles? Uh, next album that I will be bringing to Hot Singles is Bad Mode by Hikaru Utada. Oh! Yes. Yeah! Yes! So good. Yes! I'm yes! so excited to talk about this record. Oh, fuck, yes. Oh, my God. Um, and, uh, true to form, it's, I think I'm going to make a last minute, uh, switch. Regs, if you can, like, publicly count down from five, and then I will have an answer. Mm hmm Five, four, three, two, one. I, you know what? It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it right now, and... This is more I hedging gotta, time. You're earning yourself it's, more no, hedging it's time. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. I think I do got to stick with my original subverted pick and say, hi, this is Flume. There we go. Sick. And um, we'll bully Autumn for their pick later. Perfect. Um, I'm excited about that. I just, I'm very excited to talk about the Sakaro title record. It's so fucking uh, I'm, it's, uh, it's like, it's, we can just do the episode on that. Like, I don't care. Like, if, if Autumn doesn't have a pick, we can just talk about Utada Hikaru the whole time. Yep. Yep, we literally could. Um, Sounds good. Uh, okay. Now, Bell, on this godforsaken planet with which, with, where which we are all perfectly connected now, mm -hmm. where can people find you? So you can find me on Twitter at, at BellStardust, and you can find me also on Twitch at twitch.tv slash BellStardust. Um, generally, if I'm doing like a radio show or any type of music event, I'll put out some sort of notice before there, so definitely keep your eyes on uh, the Twitter, for sure. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's... Uh, <laughs> I am definitely, hopefully, maybe going to be on the billing for one of those uh, <laughs> next time. It's cer certainly I am not going to, uh, you know, duck out at another time and, like, just kick myself forever because I did miss another one of those. That'll never happen again. <laughs> um, you can find me basically anywhere you can put Buchanan after an at. Uh, I'm most active on Twitter and SoundCloud. Uh, you can find me right here just talking about shit and music and shit with my with my good old friends. Um, I have a band camp uh, where I am currently writing my sixth and, you know, I, I say final every time, but uh, my final studio album. 
Regs, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Regression with three S's. Don't forget the third S. Never. Never in my goddamn life. Uh, folks, that's going to do it for us here in uh, Memory Land tonight, I gotta say. Um, stay true to yourself. Uh, don't do drugs. Or do them safely and with support people around you. Yeah. Dance safe. D- sm- uh, uh, official, official stance of hot singles, smoke weed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that. I know what that is. Yeah. Oh, we. Whoa. I'm calling the police. <laughs> <laughs>